up on. And this morning, as we talk about honor and uh, the honoring of our father and our mother, here we see a father come out and show that kind of love for his son and the honor the son had to finish the race he started. And so many things to learn that we, uh, Paul tells us, we're all on a race and the, the connections for our race with the Lord uh, and that that young man wasn't willing to quit no matter what and his father came along to be beside him. Well, we're continuing the series, The Top Ten Things God Wants You to Know, and we're looking at Exodus chapter 20. Uh, the first, and you can go see all these, and I would share these. I think for most of us in this room, none of this is new, none of this is um, revolutionary to you, but I believe that these ten principles that God gave us are the most important things for people to understand when they come to Christ. That when they're free from sin, they're free from the burden of sin, now they can live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding them in their life. Then these ten actually make the most sense in life. And we're no longer on, under the law. Now we can live with Christ guiding us and the Holy Spirit allowing us, empowering us to live by these truths that he's given us to have. And so I think this is powerful for us to share. I see so many issues in our culture and so many issues in our world that could be resolved Things that don't have to be um, because people have not been taught this or they don't know this or they reject these ten truths in their life. If a whole society determined that they were going to live by these truths, that would be the society God created us to be like. And we would not have the issues that we have, many of the issues we have, if we were willing to do that. And that's why it's so valuable, so important. Many of us have friends and family that are struggling through life. They're dealing with so many different obstacles, and these are points of, of help that God gives us to understand how to live the life he created us to live. And so we started with there's only one God. Everyone wins by putting God first. In your marriage, it wins when you put God first. In your finance, it wins when God, you put God first. In your every relationship wins when you put God first. When you move him out of first, you get into trouble. And so we want to make sure that God is first and preeminent in everything that we do. Second, no idols. We are to be worshipers, not idolaters. And there's so much idolatry. There's so many things to worship outside of God and outside of who he is and what he's done on the cross that Jesus um, can easily be moved to the side and we can worship false idols. Even comfort can be an idol. And so we have to be careful that we don't become idolaters. Uh, do not misuse the Lord's name. That It's not just using his wor- name as a swear word, but it is actually taking on the name of Christ. As a Christian, you are a follower of Christ. You're taking his name. That You are to not misuse that name. And that the way we misuse it is our actions and our words. And so we are to carry his name well. And it's important to recognize that God does not hold anyone blameless that, that does this. If you don't take the Lord's name seriously, then you're, that you're in a very dangerous position. Number four, to keep the Sabbath holy. And we talked about that we all need holy rest, that they're, that they're in rhythms of life. You can't work all the time. We should work. We should uh, commit to that. We should encourage work. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. And so there's a sense of a rhythm of resting in God. We set aside Sunday because this is the day the Lord rose from the grave and we have a holy day. Hopefully this day is set aside as a day to be holy, meaning we focus on the things that are above, not the earthly things. It's a holy uh, perspective that we have set aside time to think about eternity, to think about the goodness of God, to think about the love of Christ, that this is a holy opportunity. And that if we don't do this, 
We can get into the pattern of not having a holy day, not having a day of resting in the Lord, and then we become, uh, we, we allow many problems into our life, many issues that do not need to be there that God didn't create for us to have. And today we're going to be looking at honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. And so as we think about this idea of honoring, what is honor? So uh, we're coming to the conclusion of the Olympics. And in the Olympics, if you are the fastest, then they honor you with a gold. If you're the second fastest or you're the second in whatever sport you're participating in, you get uh, the bronze and then there's the silver. And so there's a certain level of honor. There is uh, in every one of the games, every one of the sports, there are rules, correct? And in those rules, there are guidelines, there are specific things you have to do. And if you do them really well, then you are honored above all else of the other competitors. And so this morning, when we think about the idea of honor, what does it mean to honor someone? What does it mean um, for us to be honorable? I think this example of the fact that the the Olympics has a very clearly defined way of how do you get honored? How do you uh, allow yourself to uh, win in these areas, there's a clearly defined path. There's clear guidelines. There's clear rules. And so God is giving us some clarity in our own lives, how to be honorable and how to honor. And so we're going to look at this, that this morning. And my question as we look to God's word is, um, who do you honor and who honors you? Who do you honor and who honors you? And we're going to look at uh, this principle that God teaches us. Before we do that, let's precede his word with prayer and ask him to speak to us. Father, thank you. Thank you for another day of life. Thank you for the grace you show us. Although we know you are holy, and Lord, we want to honor you. We want to give you praise. You are worthy. You're the, you're the purpose of our existence. You're the reason that we are alive. Um, we want to give every ounce of ourselves to you this morning. And so we ask that you would be lifted up. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand better who we are in you. And Lord, help us to, to cling to what is true and what is right and what is righteous. And, Lord, that we would uh, inspire and encourage others to do that as well. And, Lord, I just pray as we read uh, what you've given us, your words, your eternal words, that they would penetrate through our sinful natures and that they would uh, allow us to be aware of your truth, not just to to know it, but to want to live it and to, to put it into practice. And so, Lord, I, help, I ask that you would help us to do that, that you would give us wisdom and discernment as we look at your words. Help us to grow now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, again, like last week, I'm going to be using both New and Old Testament. I think it's important to recognize that Christ fulfilled the law. So when we say the Ten Commandments and we talk about the 613 laws, uh, we are no longer un- under those as to be judged under those. We are freed from the judgment of those laws. But what are we freed to? We're freed to live in holiness. We're freed to live in righteousness. Meaning now the Holy Spirit allows us to not be burdened by the law, but actually to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill what the law was there for to begin with. And we learn this because Jesus says this so many times in the New Testament. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what the the law says. In the sense that the only way we can truly fulfill the law is to be in Christ. 
And we see that here in Matthew 22, verse 37. The Pharisees have come to him, and they're asking him which of the laws is the most important. Now, at this time, there's about 613 of these laws. They debate all the time what are the most important out of all these laws, and they try to trick people. This is how they get people to stumble, because they'll say, oh, you think that? And then they'll have their counterpoints. But here, Jesus being God, being perfect, being all-knowing, he knows their thoughts, he knows the fallacy of their approach, and he responds this way. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so what Jesus is saying is everything leading up to me coming has been hinging on these two principles, loving God and loving people. And as we've seen now through these 10 truths, the 10 commandments, that it initiates, it begins with how do I love God? And then it continues with how do I love people? And Jesus takes all of these 10 and he condenses them into these true truths that I am to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. That loving God is the initial most important thing for me to do with my life. Figuring out who God is and how I can love him and honor him and worship him. And then second, what she says is just like it, is to love my neighbor as myself. To love those in the world around me as I love myself. That I have a love for people. And so as we look at this, it's so important to recognize, yes, we are no longer under the law that we'll be judged by it, but now we're empowered to live into it. And not the law that man made, or not even the law that uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees established, but the law that we are given here, these ten principles, we are empowered to live out in our day-to-day lives today. And so that's when we get to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, and it says, Honor your father and your mother... So that your days may be prolonged on the land in which the Lord your God gives you. And so we see honor produces longevity. Why does honor produce longevity? Well, I believe when God created the universe, and the more we learn about the universe, the more we recognize how complex and how beautiful and amazing the universe is. But everything has a purpose. You know, right now, your body has DNA that's, that's self-replicating, and it's changing, and it's growing, and, and your skin is, is slowly coming off, and new skin is forming, and all these amazing things are happening all the time that we don't even have anything to do with, and yet they are happening and allowing us to survive, allowing us to live in this world. And all of these processes, all of these things are organized and orderly. And what God is saying is, I have not just made the universe organized and orderly. I have made your life to be organized and orderly. And there is a purpose for every aspect of life. There's a purpose uh, for what you're to do as a child. There's a purpose for what you're to do as an adult. Everything has a purpose and a meaning and a value. And God has revealed his principles to us so that we can live them out. And so this morning, as we look at this idea that there's a father and a mother who invented these concepts, who created the idea of a father, the gender, the sexuality, the connection point, who invented the, the, the creation of the woman, the mother, all of these elements that go with that, who created it, who designed it, who organized it, but Christ. God created all these things with an absolute purpose, with an absolute function. And what he's saying is, when you live out my principles... Meaning, 
When you live in the confines of a man and a woman producing a family that honor each other, and then those children become adults and they become a man and a woman who marry and have children, and they honor each other, that this system expands and it produces health and it produces a system of growth where a whole community can thrive. And he's saying, if you honor your father and your mother, your days will be long because this is what I have intended it to be. Now you can deviate and you can, uh, our sinful natures can, can convince us to do what's right in our own eyes and to do what I want to do. But when you deviate from his created purposes, you lose the blessing and you lose uh, really the created order in which he has established. And this is so vitally important for us to understand as the church. Love is not saying everything is okay. Love is initially love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Loving God is the initial purpose of all mankind. And to love God, we have to love his created order. He's the author. He's the painter. He's the one who organized this and took this information and he spoke it into reality. And this is what he's saying. He's saying when you honor your father and mother as a child and then your children honor you as a father and mother and then they honor and that that system continues to pass down and pass down, guess what? There's longevity. There's peace. There's joy. There's health. And yet, since the very beginning, we've deviated and we've seen the consequences. Well, we see this in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may turn out well for you, and that you may live long on the earth. It's reemphasized here to the Hebrews. He's saying, look... You were created on purpose. Every single one of us is created on purpose. And this principle, this principle is the initial principle we're to live out in our relationship to each other. I think sometimes we can look at the Bible and say, yeah, I'll be nice to the person. I won't, you know, cut them off on the road or, you know, I won't cut them in line. But the truth is the most important relationship you have is your family. Because that's the one God put you in initially. And if you don't love them... And if you don't have grace for them, it doesn't really matter what you have for other people. Because initially, this is the relationship that God wants us to have. And he says, I want you to give honor to your father and mother. And for the father and mother, that implies you need to be honorable. You need to be honorable. Because there's many, even in this room, that may not know their father or mother, or their father and mother was not honorable. And so it can be difficult. Well, how am I to honor someone who wasn't honorable? How am I to honor someone that wasn't there? And so these are questions, these are challenges we, ha- we struggle with. But I do believe there is a way for us to do this. I do believe there is uh, principles that God has given us that we can still honor people even if they haven't been honorable. But the place I want to begin with is ourselves. How can I be honorable? How can I be worthy of my children honoring me? Why well, I think it begins, do I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do I live out each day in obedience to the Lord? Do my kids see me living for the Lord? Do they know that he is number one in my life? 
Do I cut corners? Do I cheat? Do I steal? Do I mistreat people? Do I talk bad about people? Do I misuse people? These are all things that they see, and that is a reflection of my honor, my character. Who am I behind the scenes? Who am I behind closed doors? Who are you when no one's watching? Who are you when no one knows, you know, maybe only a few people know what you're like? The truth of it is, is I am only honorable in those things that are probably most challenging, Like my temper, my patience, my ability to love even in the midst of difficult things. And that allows me to be an honorable father. And so for me, as I look at this and I reflect on what are you saying to me, God? He's saying, I want you to be an honorable father so your children can obey this commandment. And it begins with us. If you're a parent or a grandparent, it begins not with... uh, being upset if they're not honoring you the way you want them to honor you first begins with I need to be the honorable person that's worthy of having that honor from my children and so that's a challenge that's something that we can't fix on our own that's something I have to put the white flag up and say uh, Holy Spirit I need your absolute help to do this because I can't do it on my own I cannot become honorable without you moving within me without you convicting me of sin without you guiding my heart and my spirit And so it begins with us. We need to be honorable so it allows our children to truly honor us the way God wants him to. And so this morning, as we come back to the initial question, who do you honor and who honors you? Who do you honor and who honors you? Every one of us has a parent, whether that parent's in our life, was ever in our life or not. And it can be a challenge to know how am I to honor him. And God put that person in your life to learn how to honor. I would say the first thing, if you sit here and say, my recollections of my parents is not positive, uh, I would say the first thing to do is to find one thing you find honorable in them. You know, almost every person has something honorable about them, right? It's either a work ethic, it's a um, commitment to something, There's honorable things. Almost everyone has something honorable. And sometimes if we can focus on that one thing and just say, I'm going to be obedient to God here by honoring you in this one area, it doesn't okay everything else, but I do want to find good in you. And it allows us to honor that person. In In the military, they have something that's called honor the uniform. It means you don't necessarily like the person in the uniform. You don't necessarily like who they are but you recognize the position that they are in and and the responsibility that they're in and that that position demands honor. And so as a father and a mother, even if you have the worst father and mother, still honoring the position of father and mother is living into this truth. It's amazing when you read the Old Testament and you read the story of King David and how uh, King David is this amazing young man of faith and he slays Goliath and everyone's really excited about him so much that they sing a song where he kills the thousands, you know, but uh, David, uh, Saul kills not as many, right? And, and there's a jealousy that Saul builds towards David and then eventually Saul gets so angry at David that David has to hide. He hides from Saul because Saul is is trying to kill him in every moment. Um, So much so that his son, he thinks his son likes David more than him. And he throws his spear to kill his son because he's so jealous of David. He's so bitter towards David. He has such a disdain towards David. And yet, when, when David finds out that Saul has been killed on the battlefield, that he's dead... 
Uh, the, the messenger comes and is excited to tell him, Saul is dead, you get to be king now. You, Saul is dead, you get to be king now. And the messenger is so encouraged and he says, well, did you help in any way? What happened? And, and the messenger said, no, as soon as I found out he's dead, I came to you. I thought you'd be encouraged by it. Do you know what David does? He has that messenger put to death because he says, and he mourns the loss of Saul because this is the man that God chose to be king And there were many times David could have killed Saul. Saul was in a cave and he was trapped by David, basically. And David chose not to kill him because he said, I respect God's position that you're in. Even though you're not a very good person. Even though you're not godly at all and you're not honorable. Your position is. And David honored the king. Not because the king was worthy of honor but because he knew God had established that position. And the value and the purpose of that position was so important, so important, that he refused to give in to jealousy or anger or bitterness. And so this morning, as we apply this to our lives, uh, who has God put in your life that you need to honor? Find something to honor about them. Honor the role. And then, even in all these instances, You can become a father or a grandfather or a grandmother or an aunt or an uncle that's honorable, that lives into the position that God has created. You know, God created every position for us to be in, whether it's brother, sister, it's mother, uh, mother, father. All of these positions are God-given positions that he wants us to be honorable in them. And so one way to honor our father and mother is to be an honorable father or mother. One way to honor our father or mother is to be honorable in whatever area that God has called you to be in your life. And so this morning when we consider how do I live out this principle of honoring uh, my father and mother, we see that there's many opportunities for us to truly honor these people. Who has God put in your life that you need to be honorable to? We honor our heavenly father by honoring marriage. Did you know that? The church is in a very difficult time. The church is in a time where all of its beliefs, the world believes the opposite. We are no longer in a culture of Christianity. We are no longer in a culture that supports the beliefs that the Bible and God has spoken into truth. It's been flipped all the way upside down. How do we respond? How do we interact with a world that doesn't believe that there is a role that God has put us in, that all of this is designed on purpose, and that every one of us is to conform to God's way, not to our own desires? It's a tough time, and yet we're called to honor God first. How do I honor God? Well, in a, lovingly, in a loving way, I stand for his truth. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not afraid of it. I don't hide behind it. I don't pretend like he didn't say it. I don't pretend like it's not true. This is a time for boldness. The church has always been called to be bold. Boldness doesn't mean popular, but it does mean loving. The truth is, everyone who denies these truths, everyone who denies that God has established a man and a woman to be married for life and that their children are to honor them and that this is the system that God has created, everyone who denies that is choosing a path that leads to destruction and we should have empathy and sadness and conviction that how can I reach this person in a loving way so that they may see the truth and know the truth and that this blindness that the enemy has put upon them would be taken from them so they can see clearly 
That to do what is right in your own eyes, to live a life where your standard is made up by yourself is a standard and and a path that leads to destruction. It leads to death. The world has no answer for death. The world has no answer for where it's progressing to. We always say we're progressive. Where are we going? Where are we progressing to? They don't know. Nobody knows. They just say yes. And God is holy and he is righteous and he is just and he loves every single human on this planet. And he has put the church here to be the voice to say out loud that God created a woman and a man in marriage and a child to be honorable to that parent. And in doing so, the system will work and there will be blessing and there will be peace and you will have longevity in your life and your culture will have longevity. And so we need to stand on these principles. These are more as relevant as, as they've ever been. And the world needs to know the reason we declare this is because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you know, when they receive that gift of eternal life, it's life here on earth. It's the way, the truth, and the life. It's life in, in, in abundance. Because when you live the way God created you to live, you live into your full potential. You live with fruitfulness and fulfillment. And so we're called to this. We're called to stand up for this. None of this will make sense. You know what the Bible says uh, in the New Testament? It says that the, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. These principles are foolishness if you're spiritually dead. If someone is spiritually dead, you can't convince them of the importance of marriage. You can't convince them of the importance of honoring your parents because it will be foolishness until they are awoken spiritually by the Holy Spirit of God. And so we need to be twice born. You need to be twice born. I need to be twice born. Romans Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. And so when you do this, you confess and you believe, uh, we're told Jesus says that you will be born again. He says in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, he says, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. You are dead spiritually until you are born again. And when you are born again, then you can truly live out these laws and these principles and these truths that God has given us. And you can be fulfilled because you're living your created purpose. And so this morning, are we twice born? Are we living in a spiritual mindset or an earthly mindset? Are we living honorable lives so that people can honor us appropriately? Imagine if the goal of every person in Port Orange was to be honorable. Imagine what that would be like. If everyone you knew, their goal in life was to be honorable. Do you see how heaven will be? Full of people desiring to be like Christ, being honorable. That is the perfect way. That is the way we're headed for. And we get to begin it now. By teaching those who we have influence over and by living out what we know to be true. So what is God saying to you? Throughout the whole scripture, he spoke to his people. He spoke directly to their hearts. He spoke directly in a way that they understood in their minds. What is he saying to you today? Is he convicting you about honor or is he encouraging you about honor? Is he showing you how to honor someone in your life that needs to be honored? Is he showing you areas in your life that maybe aren't honorable and and you need to hand to him? What is he saying? 
How is he leading you and guiding you? This is the most amazing thing about being a follower of Christ, that he constantly is molding us and shaping us, and he's revealing to us so that we can deal with these things, so we can have abundant life, and we can have freedom from the consequence. We can have freedom from the, the, the venom of the sin that so easily entangles. Numbers 6.24 says this, the Lord, or, sorry, Proverbs 22.17, pay attention and turn your ears to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach, for it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips. Wisdom is an amazing commodity that we have and the world doesn't. You ever watch what's going on in the world and say, why are they doing that? Because wisdom isn't readily available in this world. Wisdom is a very precious gift. And the greatest place to find wisdom is God's word. And when you receive that wisdom and you allow it to really mold you as a person, then you're able to share that wisdom and live out that wisdom. And so whatever God is telling you, it is wise. Whatever God's word is telling us, it is wise. Now we must, we must pray and ask God, how do we live this out? How do we apply these truths in our lives? How can we encourage mothers and fathers to be honorable? How can we encourage our culture of the importance of the honor of a marriage of a man and a woman and, their ch- and the children that they have? How can we do that in a loving way so that life can be birthed and truth can be birthed and hope can be birthed? Let's pray.